Once a week, we pick a random subreddit and talk about that subject for about an hour. I'm Matt Heron. I'm Jeff Kowalski. I'm Louisa Heron. I'm really glad that I've gotten used to saying the intro enough that I can turn my brain off for that few seconds and, like, plan out other things that I'm going to talk about later. That really <laughs> helps me. Do you have it written down? No. <laughs> Why would I write it down? I don't know. Just in case. I guess. I mean, there have been a couple of times where I've gotten halfway through and had that thing where your brain is like, oh shit, I forgot. Like, <laughs> What's oh, my no, name? Oh no, oh no. <laughs> Don't say a word like a word you need, because that'll completely derail you. Yeah, I, that every, does happen. Yeah. Every episode of Creepypasta, I try to do a sort of rambling intro where I don't plan what I'm going to say and I get 30 seconds in and I'm like ah, I ran out of things to say. How did I do this for so many episodes before? <laughs> yeah, that seems like a very funny joke, but I feel like if if I was listening to one of these podcasts, I would be like this is annoying. Instantly annoying. <laughs> I think that's uh, probably my demographic is people who think it's funny when something's annoying. Ah, okay. Well, <laughs> you scooped all that annoying orange market from YouTube. <laughs> exactly. It's funny. It's fun for me to do, and there's no way I'm going to continue to do the podcast unless it's fun for me to do. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's needed for sure. Uh, so anyway, Jeff, what have you been up to online this week? Um. So, there's this video game, maybe you've heard of it, it's called The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and it just released new DLC surprise launch during the Video Game Awards, which I believe are actually just called that. Uh, <laughs> it's like if everyone was going up the red carpet for the Academy Awards for the Oscars, and they're like, hey, what's, uh, what's the, what are you, what are you hoping is gonna win at the movie awards? Okay, you say that like it's a ridiculous thing, but that is a much better idea. Because, <laughs> listen, no, listen, if you've got the Oscars and somebody wants to come in and bite your flavor and be like, okay, well, yeah, but the, the real, like, award for movies that people care about is actually now the the Emmys or whatever, the Golden Globes or whatever. Like, they could absolutely do that and it would be disruptive to you. If you were called the Movie Awards and they were like, no, the real Movie Award is, no, it's not, because it, we got that. We locked that name down already. Uh, I wonder if it's going to stick, though, the Video Game Awards being called that, because I think Spike TV had their own Video Game Awards, maybe MTV had one once. Uh, oh, I feel it's like gonna be, it's, thing. It's going to be like a boxing no, championship very... where there's no <laughs> there's no agreement <laughs> among uh, different factions, so there's a million <laughs> yeah. championship belts. Yep, it is. If if you go and give Game of the Year to Mario, sometimes the pitcher has to also go to bat, but other times <laughs> there's a special guy to do that. Uh, what are we talking about? Oh, the Video Game Awards. Uh, they, showed, they showed a bunch of trailers for new games, including one for the baffling uh, new Hideo Kojima game, but they also showed a trailer for the Zelda DLC, and at the end of the trailer they did that iPhone thing where they're like, it's available right now! Go get it! <laughs> so, uh... 
I would just like to say that I'm very excited that people have started taking the video game awards as the time to do this stuff instead of E3 like it has been for most of my life, because E3 is garbage in a trash can. Uh, so at least this is a thing where, like, now I can get, like, there's something else other than just announcing your new shit, because yeah. I think that was the problem with E3 was that it was like, you know... Everyone was competing to announce their new shit, but then, you know, your new shit can only escalate so far before it becomes huge piles of crap that don't mean anything. Yeah, I watched uh, the Sony presentation at E3, and it was like a bunch of dancers and pyrotechnics, and then just like a trailer (laughs) for some Uncharted DLC, and like... That sucks. I think Nintendo was right when they dipped out, like, five years ago. Yeah. And were just like, we're gonna just do a video on YouTube, and that will be instead of having us on stage. I love that they do that, also, because I don't care about any other uh, video game producers, really. Yeah. <laughs> just <Same>. Nintendo. <laughs> so I can just see the <laughs> Nintendo stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's just very weird, because they never, like, for since Nintendo left, really... I've never heard a thing coming out of E3 where I've been like, oh shit, it turns out I'm really psyched for that. Like, it always <laughs> ends up being a thing where either I already knew about it from somewhere else, or it's stupid and I hate it. Like, oh, you've made another new, more powerful Xbox One. G- yay! Yeah. Cool. It doesn't have a confusing name this time? Oh, no, it does. Never mind. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I like that Nintendo can just have their own E3, like, every couple of months, too, because the format is identical to their normal, like, streams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you think that conferences for that kind of thing are going to just go away because it's cheaper and easier and people like it more if you just send things directly to them instead of having to go through the middleman of, like, standing on stage in front of some media people, and then those people filtering it through their lens, and then, you know, telling you what they thought about it. Yeah, here's what I think. That's only, like, exciting for anybody if the person doing it is a real showmanship person, like Steve Jobs. Yeah. And, like, that has to be part of it. So when you've just got some fucking executive who's like, and this is coming out, yay, let's get hype, and they do a little bit of terrible middle-aged white man dancing, like, everyone (laughs) hates that. Yeah. It's very weird to me that in video games, the, like, the CEO of the, that branch of the company is almost always the one to come out and do it. You Mm -hmm. don't see that at, like, red carpet events. You don't see the fucking president of Paramount like, being the main guy doing interviews on the red carpet. Yeah. Well, Nite- Nintendo just sends out some bouncer they found. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What, is Reggie a business guy? <laughs> I, like, if I looked into his backstory, am I going to discover that he was a bare-knuckle boxer in Seattle and they just, like, picked him up off the street because he uh, looked tough? They took him from you, Pizza Hut, right? Yeah, have you not listened to the amazing summary of his life story on the Besties podcast? Because it's amazing. Uh, he invented I the Bigfoot pizza. <laughs> the what? The Bigfoot pizza. It was like a, like a, I don't know, like six square foot pizza that you could get from Domino's <laughs> or Pizza Hut or somewhere when, in like the 90s. Oh, man. Uh, that's yeah. pretty, so he's just like a, he's just like a marketing guy. Yeah, that's what you uh, need. Yeah, like, much. everyone remembers him and talks about the stuff he does, and he's willing to yep. just go for it and make himself look like a fool, because that's his job. 
Yeah, the, thing... the, the fact that they've igno- that he on like the streams has acknowledged the memes about him is mm-hmm. already puts them like light years o- ahead of the competition. <laughs> the thing that like normal straight white men don't want to admit is that we are very boring and <laughs> like unless we are pro- like professional comedians or trained in comedy. No one really wants to watch us do anything for any amount of time. Right? Yeah. I feel like... I wonder if this goes back further or more wide than Steve Jobs, but I really feel like he's the one. Like, he really loved to do that stuff. So I feel like it set a precedent. Like, oh yeah, our chief operating officer or whoever, like, they are the one to give a weird little psyched up TED talk about new products. That has to happen. Do you think it's it's related to the weird corporate culture of, like, (laughs) CEOs and COOs get paid so much because they're the ones doing the real work even though they never actually know anything that's actually happening in the company. You I know think what I, mean? I think that is another symptom of the Steve Steve Jobs disease where mm-hmm. because he marketed himself as the idea man despite I don't think that he touches an iPhone outside of those conferences on stage. I mean, definitely not anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, no, he's actually buried with an iPhone. <laughs> oh, okay. buried in a giant iPhone. <laughs> oh man, that would be awesome! <laughs> but is it him touching it anymore? Or has he left that corporeal form? Um, I feel like there's still a connection there. Anyway, go on. <laughs> we don't need to get into this philosophical debate. Uh, but I think because he did such a good job being like, I'm the inventor of the iPhone that, um... Like, we just have that idea ingrained in us now that these entrepreneurial uh, guys who have a lot of money to pay other people to make things were like, oh, they're inventors and geniuses. Elon Musk doesn't invent things. Yeah, Yeah, okay, but I will say, like, Steve Jobs legitimately did at one point in his life, like, like, solder circuit boards together in a garage. That is a thing that he did and he knew how to do, so, like... Maybe he was not the most cutting-edge inventor, but at least he had some idea. I feel like when I hear about, like, oh, the new CEO of General Electric is this banker, and he's replacing this other banker, and before that, there was this other banker in charge, and it's like, do any of these people even know how a microwave works? Like, (laughs) there's no fucking chance that any of these people are doing anything anything you're right yep. we need free and open elections of all corporations uh, heads of office i mean well, while while our government is being run by corporations i think you're right <laughs> louisa Bazinga. yeah you got it yeah, look at yeah. what happened recently with uber their entire executive board and ceo all quit or got fired and i don't think they've been replaced yet and that company is making a gajillion dollars a second I feel yeah, like it's... that's another trap CEOs fall into, which is like, I'm going to go on Twitter or somewhere, Instagram, and say, I'm going to give people the real talk that turn my chair around backwards and say, look, people, we need to make money in this business, okay? And then it backfires horribly because they're like, yep. oh, you're soulless. You're stealing from your consumers. <laughs> you just want to make money. And then they're like, oh, I didn't, uh, I'm working on a, uh, and then they quit. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's like that weird thing, video that was going around last year with Nancy Pelosi talking to that one guy oh, who yeah. clearly knew way more about government than she did. And he's like, hey, what if we just weren't capitalists? And she's like, hey, 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 calm down. We're all capitalists. Like, you yeah. get, yep. you get that 
that's not true, right? That's a very weird way to react to that. If somebody came up to you and they're like, hey, do you think that maybe people should stop driving cars so much? And then you're like, whoa, 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 we're all cars. Like, <laughs> what? What? No. What? That's yeah. not the thing. Yeah, yeah it's it's a really <laughs> weird... I don't have a response. I'm just mad. <laughs> yeah, we're de- descending into fury about government again. Jeff, tell us, me, tell me about this, yeah. this sexy elf boy and his motorcycle. Uh, yeah. I I, when, oh, wanna... first of all, I haven't played it yet, so I just want to say I 100% thought that a couple of the jokes I saw about him riding a motorcycle were lies nope. <laughs> until I saw a picture of that, and I cannot believe it. Go on. Yes, yeah, I also have not played it, and all I know about it is this motorcycle, so. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, that motorcycle reveal made this the trailer to beat, uh, which is weird, because <laughs> King of Trailers Hideo Kojima showed a trailer at the same awards show, and he got beat because they put Link on a motorcycle. Um... <laughs> It's basically like uh, you have the same map and the same basic conceit, but it's another several hours adventure through the world to do a, a slightly different uh, main adventure adjacent thing. Um, and because of the structure, it sort of feels like its own mini Zelda game. Uh, maybe like one of the shorter, older ones, like Minish Cap or something. I love um, it. Yeah. So you... Um, you boot up when you have the DLC installed, and Zelda talks to you through her magic psychic link, and it's like, uh, you have to go back to the Great Plateau. There's, go put your thing in the, the place where you woke up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> damn it! <laughs> and then, uh, you do that, and it unlocks, uh, some spots on the Great Plateau where it's like, go defeat, uh, Camp of Enemies, and then that will unlock a shrine, and then defeat the shrine... And once you do you all those... You have to those... fight a whole shrine? It, like, yep. sprouts arms and legs and beats you up? That's Yeah, great. spoilers. <laughs> um, these shrines have big old ding-dongs on top of them. <laughs> they come up out of the ground, and then there's, like, an extra, for some reason, 30-foot pillar on top of it. Huh. <laughs> um, then when you beat those, it spawns more things to do in each of the four segments where the guardians are from and i'm yeah. pretty sure after you beat all of the shrines you get that motorcycle <laughs> i love that that would just be the prize it's so strange but everyone wants it so bad yep. you're like yep. yeah here you go they said that this is link's divine beast and all the things i'm doing are like <laughs> you have to go unlock your own divine beast link so i'm like oh okay so oh I'm my go god get could it, uh, could it I hope it's called a steel horse. (laughs) Oh, that's pretty good. It's called the Master Cycle Zero, which is a much dumber name. (laughs) Jeff, is there any way that from now on, any time that you take off your pants in somebody's company, you say that you're unlocking your divine beast? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will become celibate to avoid doing that. (laughs) Become celibate. (laughs) Become... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, what did man. you do online, yeah. Matt? Uh, well, I was, I'm going to talk a little bit about this uh, this New Yorker story that everyone's been talking about today. Thick uh, Life? No, no, no. Uh, it's, <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's a short fiction piece called Cat Person, 
um, that a bunch ah. of people on Twitter were excited about. I saw Louisa that you tw- tweeted mm-hmm. that you'd read it. I'm not excited about it. It's depressing, but it's like a very true well, and good fiction story. Yes, I read half of it and was like, oh, this is just kind of <laughs> gross and upsetting. Well, this is what I want to talk about. Is this is a this is a great story that I think. Obviously, the people who need to read it won't be the ones who read it, which is a shame, because it's something that should be read by the kind of awful men who are awful to women and, like, uh, expect things from women and, like, feel like women are commodities to be traded, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Because this is a great story written by a woman that provides insight into sort of what it... seems to feel like to be sort of casually dating in, as a young woman. Um, but for for me, I, I, I like to pride myself on not being shitty to women. I hope that that's true. Um, for me, I just need to ask that maybe people stop writing fiction about how unpleasant sex is for women because it really makes it so that I never want to have sex with anyone ever again. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it's about how unpleasant sex is for women. I think it's a very specifically about how unpleasant things can be. Yes, that's the problem though because like with this and things like girls where like it's not saying all sex is bad, but all the sex represented is bad and in a way that is so horrible and part of what's horrible about it is how oblivious the man is to how awful it is makes me be like I'm obliv- like I'm not aware that this <laughs> I'm an is idiot terrible. what about I'm me? an idiot it could have been me <laughs> what if it's been me the whole time yeah I end up with that uh, similar worry um, every time there's something about like uh, the ways men are awful that they don't know about I'm like oh no do I not know about yeah it? exactly <laughs> I um, feel like I'm not an awful man but these awful men feel like they're not awful men either so maybe I am well here's the thing this is all sort of a reaction still to the idea that uh, once the sexual revolution came along that women should just like <sighs> tell men that they want sex as much in every situation as men want it and like fake orgasms and things so it's yeah. sort of like a bit of a pendulum swing the other way to say that sometimes women don't really feel like having sex, but they will anyway. Yeah, but here's the problem, is that sex is very gross and weird for everyone yes. all the time. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, like, I get, like, I'm aware of that already. You don't need to remind me of that. And if I've seen or read a bunch of stuff reminding me of that, like... It's it, that stays in my mind for months, and I I cannot think about sex in any way other than shame, pretty much ever now. I guess mm. so. Yeah, I, don't know. I feel like it's a bummer. Okay, <laughs> you guys are I... very sex negative. <laughs> well, yes, so. that's true. I feel very negatively about the entire subject. <laughs> uh, I, it... I was reading the other day about uh, just like a throwaway thing about uh, asexuals who are uh, sort of sex neutral. So they personally aren't interested in sex, but if they were with a partner who wanted to have sex, they would do it. And all I could think was sex is so, like you just said, sex is so gross, but there's something in your brain that's like, yeah, I want it anyway. And if you didn't have that, how do you get over how gross it is? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And I feel like the thing that's in my brain that, like, makes me feel like I want it anyway is a razor's edge thing. Well, I don't agree with that. 
it's like just barely edging out my being grossed out by it. And then when I'm reminded that other people are also grossed out by it sometimes, it really throws that balance off in a major way. <laughs> your name's Matt Heron, and you're here to say you're grossed out by sex in a major way? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't... I don't know. I don't uh, necessarily agree with it being, like, too gross, but also I have sort of gotten over the fact that everything is gross all the time. Uh, Mm, Like, there was that Mythbusters where they were like, will there be fecal matter on your toothbrush if you leave it in the bathroom? And it had the same amount of fecal matter in the bedroom and kitchen as it did in the bathroom (laughs) next to the toilet. Like, every... If you're smelling poop, there's poop in your nose now. It's like, you just... At some point, you just have to get over the fact that everywhere you go and everything you do is unimaginably gross. Yeah, I remember well, when I was a kid being very obsessive about things being clean, and, like, I was a very picky eater, and, like, I would wash my hands a whole lot, and, like, not tidy, but cleanness was very important to me. Um, and I think it was, like, once I started having roommates in college who would, like, you know, leave milk out for three days and then still drink it and things <laughs> like that, I, like, I had to, it was like being thrown into the deep end, and I... I had to get over that, but, uh, yeah, it's, it is, the world is a horrible nightmare, and there's nowhere that's not yeah. gross to me. Well, I think sex is gross if you're not in the mood for it, but yeah. <laughs> that's my secret cap. I'm always in the mood for it, so <laughs> I'm not bothered by sex. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, this is, first off, there's one word and it rhymes with angry, and you could have used it there. Good job. <laughs> Uh, you, I, I would like to thank you for not using that word. <laughs> um, it does not rhyme with angry. Go on. Well, it rhymes more than in the mood for it. <laughs> um, the, it's. I don't know the solution besides naming the problem, and the story's like uh, cat person. Name the problem, and I do think naming the problem is important, which is that. Um, Often, cis men are not interested in their partner's pleasure or even basic well-being and don't even understand that they are not interested in these things or that they are things that they could be interested in. Um, And I don't know the solution there besides remaking society so that we start teaching children from the age of five about sexual agency and from puberty about how sex is primarily done for pleasure and that other people, like, enjoy it. See, I yeah. I mean, I agree with all of what you just said, but that wasn't the main takeaway that I got from this story, which is interesting, actually, because, you know, when you read something, especially short fiction, it's easy to, re- to, to fall into the trap that the way that you took it is the only way that it could be taken. Um, but for me, it felt like the message of it was that the problem in this situation is that she wasn't comfortable telling him that she didn't want to continue. Like once she'd mm-hmm. said, let yes, let's have sex. Then she decided not to. And then she wanted to get out of it, but she couldn't. And like, that's horrible to me. Yeah. yeah that I, idea is horrible. I see what so, you're getting at, especially because you'd be worried about like doing something non-consensual to somebody, but yes. it's shades of gray because she also says in there, 50 of them? she didn't, yeah, 
she didn't uh, feel like she wanted to stop. Like, she didn't want to say no enough to say no. And yeah, like, you have to reason, accept that hold sometimes on, hold people on, hold feel on. like that. Hold on. The reason why she didn't want to say stop isn't because she was, like, thinking there was some level of enjoyment she would get out of it, but because it would be too awkward to. Yeah. And the fact that we live in a society where that's a thing, and it absolutely is. I'm not saying it's not. Mm-hmm. But that's a bummer to me. The idea yeah, that okay. there could be a time... It's supposed to be a bummer in yeah, the story. <laughs> I know. It's a real bad thing. And, like, the idea that there could have been a time in my life where I've been making out with somebody and they didn't want to, but they felt too awkward to say, let's not do this anymore. And so I was there like, oh, yeah, this is great. And, like, this person I'm with is really enjoying this. And they were like, uh, I wish this was over, but I guess I have to wait it out a certain amount of time to not be rude. <laughs> oh my god, that's the worst! Yeah, yeah, I get where you're coming from, but I think you're gonna have to forgive yourself for the possibility of that, because uh, it's a minor thing. I know, but like, oh god, it's so bad. Yeah, oh, that's it's so bad. It's, it's, a, it's hard to think about in the current environment um, where we are hearing lots of stories about uh, sexual mistreatment of women at the hands of powerful men. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes those stories come with a caveat of, like, I just wanted to get this out there, even though I'm not traumatized by it, and it's not a big deal. Um, yeah. Like, the um, Al Franken accuser. I absolutely think that he should have stepped down. Um, also, because there's definitely going to be some SNL writer room stories that are going to come out about that douchebag. Um, but the woman was like, eh, it doesn't bother me. Like, I just wanted people to know because we're in, envir- in an environment of knowing and I don't think he should step down. And I don't agree with her, but I think that that, that her POV got overlooked is a little... It makes the whole situation way more stressful um and it also makes it harder to get to the root of the problem which is that this happens all the time it's so normal that most of the time when it happens to people they don't notice yeah yeah i don't the, the thing i mean i think that you're right about him having to step down and then like the fact that there were so many people who came forward with like you know this wasn't wasn't necessarily sexual abuse, but it was pretty creepy. Like, paints him in a way where he really needed to stop being a public role model. But uh, I think it's weird, like you say, to discount the fact that the person that had it happen to them maybe felt like it was totally not a big deal, just because, like, in the harsh light of, uh, like, public inquiry... A lot of things that people do as a silly game maybe isn't suddenly a super great idea. <laughs> like, like you know, yeah. I remember I've been to parties where people have played spin the bottle and, like, I've kissed some people that maybe didn't like me super a lot. And, like, you know, it was the part of the game and everyone was having a fine time and it wasn't like it got super creepy. But if somebody came forward and they were like, I was at a party and Matt Heron, like, pointed a bottle at me and then forced me to kiss him. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, technically that's true, and it sounds real bad, but there is some context involved, you know? Yeah, I think that's part of the issue, is it allows us to point at, like, oh, he did this very bad thing, and therefore everyone else is fine. 
like it's it definitely allowed... what the Republicans want to do. <laughs> yes, uh, except they also want to be like he did this thing that we're okay with, and there's no problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, not with Al Franken, but with their own uh, bad uh, molesting men. It's guys. so weird to me. It's so weird to me. That people can think that it's a rational position to be like, hey, your guy is just as bad as our guy. You should get rid of him. Okay, we will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, the, the, you didn't win that argument, asshole. <laughs> well, they're using the angle that he admitted it, and their guy still says he didn't do anything. Well, so I know that. He's but, innocent. but that's not my point. I mean, like, yes, also that, but, like, the argument was well, if you guys are going to be so high and mighty about sexual abuse, you should look at your guy. And then we were like, you're right, we will. And then we did. And they were like, okay, we did it. And then they came back to us and were like, yeah, we won. Like, no, you didn't. You can't <laughs> yeah. do that. You can't be like, yeah, you scored more home runs, but we still won this baseball game. Like, uh, you I think modern politics tells us that, yes, they can do exactly that. Uh... <laughs> yes. In fact, the last two times a Republican got elected, we yeah. had more runs. Yes. Uh, it's just very, like, I don't know how you even have a conversation with someone that refuses to acknowledge the the concept of winning. Like, the, the idea of that anyone could win but them, no matter what the circumstances, that doesn't exist, and that's so annoying. Yeah, yeah, let's not talk about that, because that's yeah. incredibly depressing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got off uh, on some bad you... angles, I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, it's fine. What did you do online, Louisa? <laughs> we'll just cut all this out of the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it stays Hi, in. welcome to another exciting episode of Sneak. <laughs> Absolutely not. I, I have to watch Mr. Robot and go to bed. <laughs> Uh, what did I do online, you ask? Or you were going to ask before you got I did off? ask, in fact. <laughs> uh, I joined Mastodon. Oh, yes. Oh, you did? I did. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it. It's very it confusing. It seems very hard to use. I joined it, like, a few days ago, and, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very hard to use. Yeah. Tell me your things to go at. Okay, so I'm Louisa at Mastodon.xyz. This is the first confusing thing. When you join, you, like, choose a server or an instance. I don't even know what the difference is, but you choose a thing to be. Yeah, because it's open source, so anyone can start their own, like, whatever URL Mastodon website if they want to. Um, But they're all intercompatible with one another. Um, so I can follow you from my, whatever, mastodon.cloud or wherever I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a little confusing in that way, but yeah. all open source things are. But I also think that that's going to be the reason it fails, even though it's better than Twitter. Because when you report a Nazi, they remove it right away. I'm concerned, now that you say it's, like, individual things that are set up, that eventually what, the one I'm on will just be like, oh, we're closed now, <laughs> and then, then what will happen to me? <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know, actually, now that you mention it. <laughs> yeah, that's concerning. They, they might have made a... They, they might, there might be some contingency plan for that. I'm, uh, I believe you can go to mastodon.cloud slash, uh... JJK or something? I don't remember my Mastodon. It cut out the part where you said a thing. <laughs> yeah. All the important things you were saying were lost to 
the I, world leader. I, I am Cloud. I just can't okay. remember my username, and I'm trying to look at it, it on Jeff? my phone where I'm already logged. It might just be Jeff. No, it's a JK. <laughs> okay. You can go to mastodon.cloud slash at JK, and that's where I am. Here's the problem. I'm on the Mastodon site right now. I'm uh, Matt H at Mastodon.xyz, by the way. Um, and, like, I just heard Jeff tell me that thing, and I'd like to follow him. I cannot remember how to look up a user to, add yes. them, to like, follow them. Yes, I gave I you the URL. URL. Uh. But, like, if you're in, if you're on the Mastodon page, there's not a button that's, like, Find a guy. Uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> like, I just want to find the person, though. I wonder what happens if I enter Louise's username into the search bar. It shows up. Yay! Okay, so that works. Are you Matt at Mastodon.xyz? I just said Matt H at Mastodon.xyz. <laughs> Maximum Mastodon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hell yes. Uh, okay, yeah, I've... Uh, if You have to enter the full at username at website into the yeah. search bar, which is uh, not intuitive. Yeah, yep, I, I just followed you, Jeff, but uh, the fact that there's not a separate search bar for users as there is from, like, messages is also very weird. And also, like, on Twitter, I have a timeline of all of the people that I know, and I can just look at what they've said. Here, it's like... A bunch of messages from somebody I don't know. I guess local timeline means people that oh, live near me. My local timeline is mostly in French, and I don't know why. Yeah, local wh- timeline is the people who are in your instance. Home is where you will have the people that you follow. Wait, but mine isn't mostly in French, and I'm in the same <laughs> one as Louisa. Yeah. Oh, weird. Uh, it's very complicated, and I don't understand most of it. Uh, the couple people that I looked for that I found, I found them just by, luckily their display name is their name, so I knew their name, and I could type that in and then find them that way. Yep. But, God, it's hard to find people. Wait, and... okay, hang on. Now I've got Jeff's profile up, and I clicked on follows, because apparently Jeff follows 15 people. Fine. I clicked oh, on so many. <laughs> I clicked on follows, and only the two people I already follow from his list are yes! listed here. How do I... I've I noticed just... that, too. I clicked on someone who had 600 people they were following, and I was like, do I know any of them? No, it showed me four people. <laughs> Where are the others, though? <laughs> exactly. Oh, this is bad. Like, this is the problem. It's The problem with Mastodon isn't that it's, like, new to the scene and has to disrupt Twitter or whatever. It's that it's bad. It's just not good to use. It's not good to use it, and it doesn't make me feel good when I'm using it. Yeah, I think one of the issues is uh, all the simplest things to do are owned by big corporations who are eventually going to be like, you have to pay us $5 a day to use our service, and also it's going to be filled with Nazis. Um, So all the, like, good ones that have, like, good customer service and whatever are so dense with rules that no one understands, and they're (laughs) difficult to use. And bad to look at. The problem is like the problem we were talking about earlier with video game conferences, where, like, the people who are able to do the thing aren't the people who are good at figuring out the best way to do the thing. So 
if you're a programmer and you programmed Mastodon, it probably does make sense to you how everything works. Yeah. But most people aren't like that, and it's tough. Here's Ugh. something baffling that happened when I was trying to write a toot, because uh, also, there's no... <laughs> There's no App Store Mastodon thing. You have to figure yeah. out what client for Mastodon you want to use. I picked Tootdon, so it says everything that I'm uh, putting up is a toot. Uh, it does that <laughs> even on the Mastodon website. It's all toots. I, I that, love is te- it. that is stupid and bad. But it, sounds, it sounds like what they would call a tweet on a sitcom for grandparents. I mean, yeah, it's a already... victims unit. <laughs> When I'm on Twitter, it already feels like I'm just farting my opinions into the void, and now you're just making it explicit, and I don't appreciate it. So, as I was trying to figure it out, I see my choices. Do I want to put a content warning on this? Which is nice, I think, to be able to do that. And uh, one of my other choices was emojis, and I guess they're special emojis, and I don't know what makes it choose them, but it showed me, like... 13, like it wasn't a full page of emojis. It showed me like 13 emojis that were like the word gay in different fonts. <laughs> Why? Why are those oh, 13 man. emojis? Are they related to. I have the regular emojis when I click the emoji button on I the website. Louisa. I don't understand. Mastodon is trying to tell you something. <laughs> We've all been oh. trying to tell you this for years. Um, mm, I, don't I the ha- is there. <laughs> Android phones have an interesting feature where if you um, are on a website that doesn't have a mobile app, like Twitter or Mastodon or Facebook, uh, Chrome will be like, hey, do you want to put this on your home screen? And then when you click it from the home screen, it brings it up without any of the like website accoutrements, so it just looks like an app. Why doesn't Twitter have an app on Android? It does, but oh. uh, I I also I don't use I only use that feature for Mastodon, but you can also use that feature for Facebook and Twitter hmm. if you don't want to have their dedicated apps. My other issue is that the notifications apparently just don't work because I've checked a couple times and I've had new ones, but it hasn't shown me any. So, oh, I get mine. Uh, yeah. Weird. So a friend of a friend said, welcome to Mastodon, because they saw my post, and it took me like 12 hours to be like, hey, thanks, because I had no idea anyone said anything to me. It's weird because it seems like the ways in which Mastodon are bad are the ways are like way more complicated than the good ways that they handle the same things on other platforms. It, I just don't get why, like you couldn't just have the notifications work. <laughs> like, it seems like yeah. it would be pretty <laughs> straightforward. Yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how long I stick with it. But if you're listening to this and you want to be my Mastodon friend, please do, because I know almost nobody. Yeah. Mm, what's a good portmanteau uh, to combine Mastodon with some other friend word? Uh... Ma- Mastodotter. <laughs> nope, that's... <laughs> <laughs> for a vore about family members. <laughs> uh, master donkeys. Nope, that's just two animals. Why do you need to add another animal in there? I don't know. <laughs> master mon? No, that's like a Rastafarian thing. Master Rastadon. Perfect. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just a big. It's a big old. It's an elephant from ancient times, and it has dreadlocks. <laughs> and all your emojis are a pot leaf instead of the word gay. <laughs> Could we start our own Mastodon instant called Mastodon dot Rastodon? <laughs> Uh, no, because dot rastodon is not available as a top level domain. Duh, oh, damn. <laughs> uh, not yet. I do think that Rast- rastodon would be a welcome addition to the Sanrio family of characters. Oh, that is pretty good. <laughs> oh, have you seen that angry there... um, uh, red panda one that they've just introduced? No, but oh, oh, no, I haven't. How did none of us talk about the Tokyo uh, Olympic mascots? Oh, yeah, that was the thing we were all talking about for a long time. Yeah, they're all great. Uh, oh well, they are all very good. If you vote for those ones that are just like weird laser squares, then fuck you and stop listening to this podcast. I hate you. <laughs> uh, I think the the mascot for the Olympics should be Super Mario, and the mascot for the Paralympics should be Luigi or Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, I feel like. <laughs> That's sad for both of them. <laughs> what? No, that's also, uh, what's it called? Display of humanity's greatest athletes doing uh, feats of grandeur that I, we could only imagine. There's a yeah, no, I just that, mean, right? I just mean it, Sonic at the Olympics. That's true. Yes, I, that's I just true. Mean they that do it, fight at the Olympics. <laughs> I just mean that it's sad that Luigi couldn't be with his brother at the Olympics. Oh, like, I see. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's have it be Sonic, then. Yeah, alright. I guess so. But then, like, People are going to jerk it to that Olympics mascot, though. Everyone uh, they're going to do that Sonic anyway. Is very yeah. sexy. The only Olympics mascot I remember is that weird blue raisin. Don't the you remember Atlanta that guy? weird Izzy? Was that yeah? The... That's his name. Was he a raisin? What was the one that was like a anthropomorphic Olympic torch? I don't know about that. I don't remember that. <laughs> maybe we're all thinking of the same one and remembering it differently through the Yeah, maybe. Izzy's Did... from Atlanta, 96, I want to say. And the thing is, what is he? Am I right? So it was nothing. It was literally nothing. Oh, uh, jeez. Why do they do that? Yeah. Who oh, is that God. even for? The thing is, I feel like that exact attitude of like, haha, this is a random thing that means nothing is, like, fairly popular in Japanese culture, and mm-hmm. so it's definitely going to be those two that I hate that are nothing, and not <laughs> the very cute and awesome things that it could be. I was going to say it should be a snow monkey for Winter Olympics, but then I thought they must have done a sm- snow monkey before. Yeah, maybe at Nagano. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the, the horrible Izzy monster uh, <laughs> is so... Typical of 1996 American cartoons. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. there is nothing more more like 90s America than yeah. Izzy. <laughs> yep. Uh, subreddit time. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, we already did it, and I got r slash migraine, which is about bad headaches. Um. I got one. I'm going to forewarn you. The title is ironic. They are not sincere in this. It is an anti the thing that it says it is. Uh, I got R slash guns are cool. I very much appreciate that the tab header for guns are cool is first amendmenting the second amendment. That is pretty good. Um, I had to read a little bit of the page to understand that what they were doing is highlighting the badness of gun violence by quoting people who like them. The problem is that they have forgotten that uh, all satire is impossible now, and this yes. is just like... Th- there is a 100% chance that this uh, Reddit has been cited as a source on InfoWars. <laughs> 
<sighs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And I got r slash spicy, which is about chili peppers and stuff. Now, we've definitely done this one before, right? We must have done one really similar to it, like hot sauce or something, right? I feel I like I thought we, we did, did spicy. I'm going to have to look at the spicy. list of episodes. Why would I get spicy again? I don't know. We've but... gotten the same one yeah, that's multiple true. times. Yeah, yeah. Should I try again? Uh, uh, we need to make yeah, sure. I think yeah, I want to make... Check. I'm pretty sure we did this episode. I'm trying to go to the website where we keep the show um, to like go look at our list of episodes, but I just realized we have 90 of them. What yeah. if I just search the website for spicy? Yeah. <laughs> It'll be all that, your blog, work. all your personal blog posts about how much you love spicy food, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, I keep those off. at uh, I keep those at spicyjeff.com. <laughs> Jeff. Yeah, oh, episode, episode fifty three <laughs> <laughs> was spicy. Yeah. Okay. So, Louisa, you got to re-roll. All right, I did just now, and I got R slash D and D memes. That's oh, definitely perfect. the one we should oh. get. <laughs> <laughs> Saved by the bell. <laughs> uh, yes. So yes, God. Dungeons and Dragons memes. Uh, yep, that's the one. Go go right ahead and tell us about it. Yes, please do. All right, it is completely generic with the header, just plain light blue. The redded alien looks normal uh, on the side. Uh, uh, Eleven thousand readers, fifty-four users. So nothing interesting there. Any D&D-related humorous content is welcome here. Post your memes, jokes, reaction gifs, and photos. That's it. Hooray. Immediately going to the top of all time and I, looking to have some fun. I'm very happy that D&D has become <laughs> such a thing in these. That, like, I feel like when I was a kid, I would see these weird, incredibly insular communities t- making jokes that only they would get, and I would feel sad and the fact that there's one that I I definitely get 100% of the jokes on this page makes me happy. And I realize as I'm saying this that I've complained about this very thing on many of the boards we've ended up on. <laughs> yeah. Things I don't know about. So I guess I'm the asshole and always was, you guys. I really like the top of all time. Me too. It's a zoom in. It's a zoomed-in photo of a... Uh, uh, college female piccolo maybe? player at a, oh, yeah. at a oh, college football marching band. No, it's, uh, and it's sh- definitely basketball because it says March Madness at the bottom. Okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know they had bands at the basketball games. Um, <laughs> at a college sports game. Um, and she has been moved to tears by the music being played. Um, and the caption is, when your party is getting killed, but you're just a bard. <laughs> when... <sighs> Who okay, here's a general question. Who plays a bard in a D&D game? Like and doesn't take healing magic or was that the end of your question? I mean, that's kind of the end of the question because the only thing that really helps if like your bard is very good at buffing and that's about it. They're they're fine at healing, but that's like they aren't very good at any of the things that you really need. Listen, I've played D&D. I'm not really very good at any of the things that I need either, no matter what I play, so a bard sounds pretty fun. I mean, the objectively worst in 5th edition class and race combination is human ranger, and rangers seem like they'd be uh, really useful. Wait, why are they objectively the worst? 
Uh, they very poorly balanced the abilities that rangers get, such that um, your animal companion doesn't level up with you if you choose that path. Uh, you don't really get any good bonuses if you choose the uh, hunter path with your like chosen enemies and stuff. And it's just like, overall, the power level of a human ranger is less good than any other combo. Side note for the listener, I am playing a human ranger in our group <laughs> D&D game. Yeah, I, we're doing I have played a human ranger in a past <laughs> campaign and had a lot of fun, uh, which was going to be the second part of my point, which is that I think that uh, pretty much any you can make anything fun if you're playing it right. I guess I'm not saying that it wouldn't be fun for you. What I'm saying is that <laughs> if you choose to play a bard, you are really relying on everyone else in the party doing all of the things that are useful. Yeah, that's I, fine. <laughs> I thought about my current character in our current D&D game. You know what? I thought about for a second my thing from online being our D&D game that we play, so this is good that it came up anyway. Mm-hmm. Um... I thought about making my current character be a bard. Um, oh I my wanted, god, I'm so glad I wanted... you didn't. <laughs> I'm I feel already like I'm... very annoyed by your character, <laughs> yes. and this would just push it right over the edge. Tell uh, us what your character name... is, Jeff. Its name is Dr. Jetfeather, uh, a Kenku uh, death cleric. Um, that Kenku's... vacillates wildly between being a genius and being too stupid to feed itself. <laughs> Um, Kenkus are, uh, four-foot-tall bird people that have arms instead of wings and creepy human-esque hands, uh, and they cannot speak language, but instead have to imitate sounds they've heard, um, to communicate, and it's been fun and challenging, and... Honestly, I think I'm kind of filling the same role that a bard would fill anyway, because I'm bad at combat, but I have, like, a bunch of spells to buff other people. That's true, but you're you're a cleric, and so you're good at healing, at least. And bards are not great at healing. They're fine. They're as good as a druid, but without the, th- the other things that druids can do to help. You know? Fair. It's all fun. No one is ever playing properly anyway. Everyone's always like, what do I want to do right now? Nobody's really thinking, what would my character want to do? Yeah, it's it's pretty f- weird how like you can talk about the mechanics of D&D, but uh, that almost never really comes into it if you're playing D&D, right? Because <laughs> yep. you're like, okay, I may not have the numbers on this page for these things, but uh, like I am a ranger, so I should be able to hunt a rabbit or whatever. I actually uh, contest Louise's point. I often <laughs> do things in character that I, the player, don't want to do, but I've constructed a character who would do that thing. Uh, it hasn't come up much in the campaign we're playing now, but the human ranger I was playing before uh, had in her backstory a hatred of vampires because her family had been killed by the vampire lord Strahd. And I, unbeknownst to me, the player, Strahd shows up several times in the campaign campaign we were playing, and you're not supposed to fight him. Uh, And every single time, I'm like, okay, um, I roll initiative against Strahd, because that's what she would do. (laughs) That's what the character I was playing as would do when confronted with the person who murdered her family, even though I knew it was a terrible idea. (laughs) What I mean more is that when the DM's like, alright, so we'll proceed to here, you, because you are you, are like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I want to do something else because you want me to do that. 
No, that did come up uh, last week. No, it was just because uh, we weren't we were standing in a circle, so I just wanted to make a uh, bold, decisive action, which is the key to moving a game forward. Aha, uh-huh, but uh... you wanted to make that. Who knows what Dr. Jetfeather would have done. Yeah, that's always the problem with that. I- I've heard many players espouse that theory before, but it always is like, no, in this situation, my character would just walk away and start fighting. But that never happens in real life with real humans because you're like <laughs> standing around with people and then you're like, hey, I don't want to interrupt this conversation, so I'm just going to listen for a while. <laughs> As opposed to like, you guys are boring me, I'm going to go blow up the town, <laughs> which yeah. happens way too often in games. <sighs> yeah, I am. Um, one of the reasons why I feel like D&D is such an interesting uh, like game to play is because unlike in a lot of tabletop games, there's nothing really that special about your characters. Mm-hmm. Like it's entirely possible walking through a game of D and D to meet another party of people who have the exact same classes as you and do the same things. And it's like, Oh yeah, this is just a world where being a wizard is a thing that everyone could do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I, I liked that flavor uh, I'm glad they've they've gotten back to that a little bit with fifth edition, but in fourth, like they were explicitly like a level one adventure is better than any other person in the world could ever be without being at least a level one character, <laughs> and that was less exciting. To I me. don't know though because it's sort of like that thing that they say about when you're writing fiction, like no one wants to read about an average day in an average person's life; they want to hear about the most interesting day in their life or whatever, like. Mm-hmm. That's a very, like, conceptually, it's very interesting and cool to be like, okay, this is the society, and I'm a cog in this society, but that's not really a fun game. The reason I'm choosing to play this character is because he's, like, better than other people in some way. Yeah. You know? I think it's really a shame, it's a weakness of D&D, but I don't know how to get around it, that everyone's beginning story, everyone's origin seems to be that they met up with some other adventurers in a bar. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is a classic trope of met in a tavern. Yeah. Because, like, uh, Fantasy Craigslist is pretty much the only way to get everyone's specially crafted perfect adventurer to meet up, unless you are all creating characters together who know each other and doing that, like, intentionally. Yeah. That's why I like games like, I'm sure I've mentioned it on here before, but my favorite tabletop game is still Exalted. And one of the reasons I like it so much is because in the game, like, in the backstory of the game, there are a hundred people who are just gods, and you're one of them. So, like, there's a, like the reason that you are with a bunch of other people is probably because you're just like, oh, you're a god? Me too. Let's hang out. Like, that's a totally reasonable thing, I think, as opposed to just, uh, basically, I was trolling for some easy action uh, dungeon wise and I met this guy the end now we have <laughs> yeah. a life debt I guess <laughs> yeah it's um I really liked Matt you ran a game a while ago that I played in of the fate based Dresden Files RPG and that starts with a full session of sitting down at the table with the whole party and building your relationships with one another and the setting in which the game will take place and the next time I run like a D&D game from scratch that isn't a pre-made adventure that is definitely something I want to crib from that game because uh, there's not enough in the 
base D&D rules to be like, here's the way to, like, build a party and, like, create a, a setting that people will be invested in. Like, at the start, there's almost nothing. And you come up with stuff as you adventure through the world, but, like, it's never intentional or willful. It's always, like, the N- an NPC the DM didn't care about you hanging out with. Yeah, I... I... The, we are all listeners to the Adventure Zone, which is a very fun uh, actual play podcast, and we've talked about it on this podcast before. Um, and I, I very much appreciate how funny the McElroy brothers are, and obviously they part of their humor comes from the fact that they are not experts on game mechanics. Um, I don't necessarily see myself as an expert on game mechanics, but I've certainly studied it more than they have. Um, and listening to them try to do the fate character creation stuff but not really understand it was very painful to me because (laughs) it is a great like jeff says it's a great thing and like the best thing about it is that when you sit down you everyone writes a story about how their character and one of the other characters at the table did something together before the game started and then they like hand over the short story to this other person and then that person's like okay, well, then that affects my character's stats in this way. And, like, that is such a great idea. And to just whiff it so bad and just be like, (laughs) so I guess this means that your character hates me. Like, no, no, that's that's not really what that is. Also, that would be an interesting dynamic, and I was a little upset that Griffin was upset about that. Like... It would be interesting if people who had to work together as part of an RPG party did not like each other at the beginning, because it gives you somewhere to grow to. Uh, Yes, but I will, like, I felt like I'm glad that they didn't go that direction because I've played in a lot of games where people are like, oh man, wouldn't it be interesting if it turns out that my character just doesn't want to do this thing, or isn't (laughs) friends with anyone, or like, doesn't trust what anyone tells them. And it sounds fun until the very beginning of the game when somebody's like, yeah, I think we should do this adventure. And then the one person is like, no, you have to convince me. And then the next four game sessions are you trying to convince this one asshole who wanted to make their character quote unquote interesting to actually do the game. Oh! Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I played in like a pickup D&D Adventures League for a while, and there was one guy who kept coming back, and he insisted on playing a lawful evil paladin, and everyone else was good, lawful neutral, lawful good, like, we were all the opposite of that, and we kept having to be like, if you make one more, like, uh, joke about murdering someone, or like, a gross sexual joke, in-game our characters are going to kill you, because we absolutely can. We're much more powerful than you are, and there's five of us. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I the thing is that the i the very idea of making a D and D character and being like, but I want him to be like a real person. You don't. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> shouldn't. Definitely don't. If you do, you shouldn't. That's for sure. That's not fun. I think one thing that people forget about Dungeons and Dragons is that the game, especially now in its fifth edition, the fifth edition of the world's greatest role playing game, as they call it. Um, <laughs> It's designed for the mechanics to inform the role-playing 
and vice versa. You can literally roll like a dozen dice and get a randomized backstory that has enough detail in it that your character will feel like a realized character from a story. Um, and so like, you don't have to, you don't have to make up ways that they're like different or special that don't have a mechanical impact and also it's fine not to because the ones that do have a mechanical impact are interesting and the ones you thought of can have a mechanical impact and i don't know it's just like it's designed and if you just read the book the game tells you how to do it right i feel like you only ever need as much of a backstory as it would take for you to be like here's how i'm gonna react in this situation and that's all you ever need yeah Exactly. It's kind of a weird bell curve, though, right? Because I think that that's true for the first, let's say, five games that you play in. And then once you're really comfortable with it, you're like, I kind of hate that I have to do this. And then you move away from it. Um, And, like, especially once you've played in, like, I don't know, 20 games or so, you kind of just are like, I don't want to be... A cookie cutter character anymore. <laughs> My backstory is mysterious, and I don't talk about it with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I feel like a lot. That's an option. Yeah, that's, that's a background option. Yeah, in the of course. Book. <laughs> I guess. I guess what I mean is that, um, like, I, I feel like that they put that in there as a way to make it so that new people to the game don't get overwhelmed, and I totally get that, and I think that that's great. But I also feel like. Uh, kind of bullshit (laughs) like (laughs) it kind of makes it so they're trying to make it so that it's like hey you know how in video games your character is just handed to you and then you play the character that they handed to you now you can do that here Uh, (laughs) and that's kind of like the opposite of what is good about Dungeons and Dragons in my mind Yeah. so uh, I'm going to tell you my character creation approach and then I want to know yours in turn Um, what I'll do is I'll come up with I'll think about the type of character I want to play. Sometimes I will think about race and class, and that's it. Like, in ter- like I'll think about what do I want my character to do in the game. Do I want to be good at swords? Do I want to be good at arrows? Do I want to cast spells? And then I will try to find the tick boxes that I have to tick to make the character who does the thing I want. Um, and... I'm not sure everyone else does it that way, but it's been really effective for me because sometimes I end up with a character at the end that surprises me because I ended up, during the creation process, finding other things that I could do on top of what I wanted to do and sort of crafting uh, a mood for the character as I built it by choosing my race, class, background, and those are the only three things, right? Sometimes mm. there's a, a subclass that you choose at character creation, but not always. Or a sub-race. Yes, that's true, too. Um, I've played, uh, uh, what is it, the Grey Dwarfs? The, the Underdark Dwarfs? I played one of those. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think I uh, choose the class first, either based on what the party would need or like what I want to do. And then what race is a good choice for that class, and then from that point, I kind of have an idea of what I want the background to be, so I kind of go into that. And then I do the thing where you just roll the die for all the categories, like don't fudge it at all. <laughs> just roll you do, it. wow. Yeah. And then with those rolls, 
like, of course, you try to put them in the things that are best for your class, but that really Oh, you will... mean for the stats? Yeah. I thought you meant in the background section, you can roll a couple dice to, oh, like, no. get a pre-gen backstory. No. But uh, then, based on what rolls you got, you have to be good at some things and bad at some other things, so that really gives you your character's backstory, I feel like. Yeah, um, I kind of do the opposite of what Louisa is saying, because I like to pick a race and class that are clearly not supposed to go together. Yeah. I, I, well, listen, I'm not doing it to be obstinate. Like I don't ever, no, I'm not. Listen, I don't, I'm not doing it in a way to make it so that the game isn't fun for other people. Like I was talking about earlier where people make a character that just hates the game. Um, but I just like, I like the idea of a, a person who ended up in a job that, that normally, it wouldn't be a good idea for them to be in and then figuring out how they got there. Uh, and then like, because they fi- they ended up in this place that sort of informs the rest of the story. Once I've figured out how, uh, a demon man decided to become a paladin, then like the rest of it kind of falls into place for me. Well, that's a bit of a Mary Sue though, isn't it? Like my character is so special and unusual, but why wouldn't well, you that's... make a special character? <laughs> You're of allowed to. <laughs> You yeah, should, yeah, but... like, if you want to create a superpowered self-insert, that's what D&D is for. Yeah, I don't want it to be too obvious, though. Like, you're writing a story and you're like, oh, this girl looks like me, but she has purple hair like nobody has, and everyone comments on it and says how amazing it is. It's like, yeah, that's boring, though, <laughs> to do that. Well, but that's the difference, right? Because it's like the difference between showing and telling in a story. If you write, the, like, if you write your character and your character is human- rogue and then like one of the traits is like everyone loves them okay (laughs) yes you're just forcing (laughs) that down everyone's throat but if you just if you make a character and play the character as just being so weird even in this world (laughs) that everyone loves it bazinga (laughs) then like then like you get the same thing of like everyone is very it pays attention to you when you're in that world uh but at the same time You, you're actually playing the game instead of just being like, yeah. no, everyone stop playing this game and, and pay attention to how great I am. Yeah, I think that's fair, but a lot of people, uh, from what I've heard of other games and things, uh, it's kind of like making the character like, oh, he's gonna be the most amazing badass, and then like they didn't put any other thought into it, basically. Oh, I've, I've done that before. <laughs> I've been like, oh, the party needs a fighter, I'm going to make a barbarian, and his backstory is he's a championship wrestler, and I'll take the background entertainer. And <laughs> but <laughs> like, even that's it's... more than a lot of people would do. Like, when, you, when they talk about how boring all the protagonists are for video games... Oh, yeah. Like, they're all, you know, uh, white men who've had a... Oh, they've had trouble in their past, but not so much trouble that they can't handle their lives now. And, like, they're just tough and they don't have any weaknesses. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I, I think... I mean, I think that there there is a certain type of person who enjoys playing a game where it's, their character is just good at the things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's... that. I can see how that's fun, but it, it really doesn't... It's not as interesting to me as struggling against being bad at the things you need to do. And maybe that says something about my psyche. I'm not sure. (laughs) Matt, have you, is your philosophy towards uh, character creation inspired by the 
uh, D&D clone Pathfinder, because uh, in the Pathfinder book, the example art for every class is a race that would be unusual to play as that class. Uh, not explicitly, but perhaps subconsciously. I think the first time I read it was in um, a book called Ars Magica, which was a very bad and very convoluted <laughs> role-playing game in the 80s. Uh, and I ran one game of it, it when I was in high school, and it was not fun. Um, but it, what was interesting about that game is the fact that uh, every party is like a cabal of this cult where every like every wizard gets a group of people who take care of them. Um, and so your characters, uh, one of you is the wizard, and then everyone else is a character that takes care everyone of that Everyone else wizard. has to try to figure out who the wizard is from clues. <laughs> that yeah, would be There's awesome. a bunch of cards, and it indicates secret tasks. <laughs> and then you'd be like, hmm, okay, who is the wizard? Is it Jeremy or Magic Kevin? And then Magic Kevin is wearing, like, a top hat and has a big handlebar mustache. <laughs> no, he's just a magician. Wait. It was a false flag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a different. That's the bad guy from Frosty the Snowman that you described. Uh, you're telling me he's not a wizard, Jeff? Is that what you're saying to me right now? I think uh, that he stole a wizard's hat. Uh, w- hang on, hang on. We gotta get into this. <laughs> so you're saying that he stole the hat? He doesn't it? know the hat's magical until it that's lands true. on Frosty's head. That's true, but. Then we're adding a whole new layer to this story because he is very incensed at the fact that his hat, which is magical, is now belonging to this snowman. And if it's not even his hat, like, he has no role in this story. He's just an intermediary. He killed a wizard to get that hat because it (laughs) produced rabbits, which is what he needed for his dumb act. (laughs) <laughs> now what if okay what, what if, if the hat is possessed yeah, and okay. frosty is animated by the spirit of the wizard who created the hat? i'm gonna take this one step further what if that magician is like the nephew of a real wizard and he didn't know that his uncle was a real wizard and he inherited this hat and he's like this is stupid this is the only thing i got for my inheritance but then uh, he's like, well, I have this magic top hat now. I guess I need to become a magician. So yeah. that's why he's so cranky. Where are these comics in the Frostyverse about the <laughs> magician's origin story? Yeah. This Harry Potter reboot is insufferable. <laughs> uh, I think this, is, this might be better than the original Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, it's certainly by a better author. <laughs> I, will I mean, not... better as a person, not necessarily better at writing. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I'm probably not as good, but I'm definitely a better person in that I would not allow any uh, wife beaters into my book. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't think it's that he's in claim. the book. Well, I think that he's just in the movie. Mm, I don't think that they're going back and putting photos of Johnny Depp in every book. Now. Not yet. <laughs> It says we endorse Johnny Depp on the cover now. Here's the thing, though, Jeff. Bad quotes credited to J.K. Rowling. Here's the thing, though, Jeff. You're talking like this is crazy, but as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, this movie that everyone's up in arms about is based on nothing. It's not based on a book, which means yes, that's true. which yeah. means there's a very real possibility that there will be a novelization based on this movie, and there will be Johnny Depp on the cover. Tell me there won't. I saw the um, movie, mo- big quotes, movie edition of the, um, I would say, pamphlet uh, Fantastic <laughs> Beasts and Where to Find Them, and it weirdly <laughs> did not have pictures of the movie characters on it. Um, 
it was very clearly a new edition of the book, which is supposed to be like a textbook that Harry and Ron have scribbled in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I have those original books. Yeah, it's like I could see them doing a novelization, um, but thus far they have avoided tainting the books with um, movie anything. Like I don't even mm-hmm. think that there's movie photo editions of the main series. That's true, but this is the this is the first time they're doing one that's not based on an extant work. That's yeah. fair. Yes. Uh, so, Matt, I think you might have the same problem I have. I'm totally changing the subject, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, where you want a new RPG book, and so you buy it. And then uh, maybe uh, six months to a year later, you want another new RPG, and you buy that new RPG. And then suddenly you have five RPGs that you've never played because it's impossible to get a group of people together to play them. (laughs) That's true. I have two full shells of RPGs that I would like to play someday but haven't. Here's the thing. I've been reading the new edition of Exalted, and I have a fucking excellent idea for a game (laughs) that I could run and would want to run, but like... I'm already in a game, technically two games, and <laughs> getting those groups together to play those games is horrible. Yeah, yeah I'm, problem, I'm waiting until I can move to a place where I can have people come sit at a table with me and play. Yeah. And that unfortunately means I won't be able to play with you guys in whatever new games I play, but I want to play Starfinder, I want to play... Uh, cypher system and i want to i have tales from the loop uh i really want to play tales from the loop it's like 80s stranger things style but uh yeah you talked about it not licensed oh yeah that's right i did uh go back and listen to whatever episode that was (laughs) and i found in a thrift store no a used bookstore copy of jumanji um, Yes, uh, the RPG. Oh, that would be great. I would absolutely play Jumanji the RPG. That would be awesome, actually. <laughs> uh, I felt it's, I think it was uh, Monte Cook who created Numenera and Cypher System and uh, worked on third edition D&D, created uh, something called um, Arcana Unearthed, an alternative player's handbook, and it's basically the D&D player's handbook, but with all different races and classes and new special rules for uh, race level, like new racial features you get from leveling up, and I really want to run D&D with that also. Because um, it's fascinating. You can play as some kind of lion man, there's some kind of uh, weird um, space elves. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, Every time you guys are falling Sorry. into the trap of the number eight D and D meme top of all time. Oh, here we go! Which is the stock photo of the uh, <laughs> man in a couple like checking out a different woman and his girlfriend being upset, and the man says me, and the <laughs> woman who's walking by is new character I just rolled last night, and the upset girlfriend is character I've had since the beginning of the campaign. <laughs> yep, that's me all over. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose. I think part of it is, I, I I have this less when I'm playing a game, but when I'm writing a game and I'm running it, like, the thing is, I know where the game I'm running is going to end, and, like, I know all the stuff that's going to happen, roughly. So, if it's taking 50 sessions to get through what I thought was going to take a week, 
to get through. Uh, I just don't care because I know where it's gonna go. I get it yeah. already. I've already gotten that surprise ending. I want to do something new. Well, I don't do a lot of writing like you guys do, but I do a lot of art projects, and nothing is more appealing when you're in the middle of an art project than starting a new one <laughs> about oh. something different. Oh, and the temptation is unbearable. That's how I feel about video games, also. <laughs> like, ooh, I'm I'm halfway done with this game, but. Uh, whistling boyfriend meme new game came out (laughs) i honestly think that for me the reason that i only ever play the first half hour of every game pretty much is because the thing that's fun is learning the systems of the game and the mechanics and stuff and then once i understand it it's like oh but you want me to keep doing this over and over again for 40 hours nah yeah 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 that that's a pacing problem that uh, video games have that D and D doesn't really have because I guess I guess mainly because the players and dungeon master get to decide when they want to add more stuff by leveling up. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah. Like D and D, the interaction of go ahead. D and D's strength is really the same thing that they talk about, like uh, support groups for things. Which is if you're in a group of people, it's so much easier to continue with a new habit than if you're trying to do it by yourself. Hmm. Yeah, I had that with writing, too. Um, I wrote a bunch of stuff um, with uh, our friend Val, who I don't think listens to the show, but maybe. Hello if you do. (laughs) Not hello if you don't. (laughs) Um, But we wrote a bunch of stuff together, and it was, like, probably... It was was a really, like, productive and creative time for me writing, because I would, like, sit down with another person who had the same goal, and then we would divide up the work and have a deadline and meet the deadline. <laughs> and when you're writing something by yourself, be it a and d campaign or a novel or a screenplay, it's just like, mm, I don't have to do this. I'm not beholden to anybody else, and no one can make me. <laughs> yeah, I've had the same thing with writing groups, but then it's the same thing, right? Like, on the one hand, it's good that the writing group sort of forces you to do the thing, but then you have to force the writing group to get together. And that makes you just as angry in my experience. (laughs) Yeah. You need like a set schedule and everyone who's involved has to be the type of person who's like, well, I mean a set schedule, that's the law. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like this podcast, right? Like Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff and I, a couple of times before this tried to figure out how to do a podcast with some of our other friends, but like, they they were the kind of, (laughs) they were the kind of friends who like had a lot of shit going on and I don't like how this is going at all. (laughs) No, hold on. Hold on. Uh, I think that there was a podcast, Matt, that just you and I did that fell apart, too. I don't think we ever tried one, just the two of us. We recorded it badly and had to record it again. I think we talked about the the movie The Incredible Hulk. No, that was somebody else, my dude. No, it was definitely you. It was my, uh, uh, my attic room on Hartwell Street. I remember this. The memory came flooding back to me. I really don't think this happened, but maybe. Don't let Matt (laughs) gaslight you. He does this all the time. (laughs) Wait, does he? Or does he never do it? (laughs) I mean, Louise is very good at doing this thing of painting me into a corner where I can't disagree with her because it just proves her right, so, you know. Oh, Louisa, that rascal. I'm just saying, yep. sometimes I'm like, you know, I really think I remember this. And you're like, nope, that's definitely 100% wrong. And then I find some proof. Like, you weren't sure. How could you be sure? Because you were wrong. 
okay, yeah, but you're saying it like that's how it always shakes out. But sometimes you're like, I remember this, and then I say no, and then you find proof that I was right, and it was somebody else. So let's not <laughs> let's not go down the ac- the accusation uh, trail here. Is that not what our group is meeting here to do? <laughs> anytime you two, <laughs> anytime you two have any disagreement, the result is oh, both of you were partly right and partly wrong. <laughs> well, yeah. I take it as a win every time, so I'm yeah. good. That's the <laughs> yeah, problem. Yeah, you both do. <laughs> You're both like, well, looks like I was right the correct amount. Yep. <laughs> That's uh, how it works. <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway, what was I saying? Oh, um, the point, the point uh, is that um, uh, having Louisa in it provided the extra, like, somebody who is motivated and organized enough to, uh, like, keep moving it forward. As well as Jeff and I. That's all I'm saying. She doesn't do anything. She doesn't edit or schedule it. She's just here. That's true, but she's engaged. And, like, the thing is... that's true. The thing is that oftentimes the thing that really derails a a D&D group or a podcast is if you send out a message that's like, hey, guys, do you want to meet on whatever day? And then one person is like, "Mm, nah, I'm busy. Or, no, I don't want to. And they do that, like, three times in a row. You're just like, I don't want to ask anymore. Yeah. This sucks. Yeah. I hate this. That's the thing. I like a plan. Like, I don't like last minute things or surprise things. So, the thought of, like, flaking on a set uh, yeah. scheduled thing, like, it kind of freaks me out a little bit. Like, no, it's the law. We decided already. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be breaking the rules if I didn't do it now. Yeah. yeah. Also, I want to uh, say Louise is the on-air talent, clearly. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's that's true, yeah. We're the producers and Louise is the host. <laughs> yep, I'm really giving 110% by mostly looking at these memes instead of listening to what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm true. also looking at the memes, which, but only at the end of a sentence when I'm expected to respond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of clicking around and trying to use half my brain to listen to you guys. Anyway... Uh, I hope you, everyone liked this episode and follow the rules and come back again next time. <laughs> Leave yeah, us... you already agreed. You subscribe, so it's the law. Yep. You have to tell your friends about it. You have to leave us a review on iTunes and rate us five stars. Uh, please spread the word. It, we very much appreciate it, and it really helps us to get new listeners. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet at us uh, at seeingreddit on Twitter, or you can email us seeingreddit at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kamikaze Pilot, or I guess on Mastodon uh, at Matt H dot no at Mastodon dot XYZ. <laughs> Good, you did it. I figured it out. I'm also on Mastodon at JK at Mastodon dot Cloud. Um, which of us has the dumber URL? Mastodon dot XYZ or Mastodon dot Cloud? Uh, all URLs are dumb. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I should true. sign up for mastodon.pizza. That's got to exist by now, because pizza is a top-level domain for some reason. Hmm. Um, you can also go to... Oh, I just launched... Um, I guess this is pronounced coffee, but it's spelled K-O-F-I. I only think it's pronounced coffee because the tagline is that you can buy artists you like a cup of coffee. Um and I have a page on it, and the reason why I'm sort of vamping right now is because I don't remember the URL for the page. Uh-huh. Is it... I believe it's ko-fi.com slash jeffjk. It is. Um, and it looks like you can just give me a one-time $3 donation. Um, I may... They may be um, doing some kind of 
subscription service in the wake of Patreon's uh, nightmare. Um, but if you if you want to still support me on Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash jeffjk. Um, for $1.38 per month, you can get back, uh, you can get extra episodes, uh, mostly me reading creepypastas and a written thing that I do each month. Um, and Instagram is a good place to follow me. I feel like that's where my brand is strongest. Instagram.com slash jeffjk. Yeah, if you want to see pictures of Jeff looking, like, slightly irritated with a cat on him, <laughs> that's really the hotbed for those. Also, dinners that I've made. <laughs> and screenshots of Nintendo Switch games. Uh, yep. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Heronbird. You can find me on Instagram, at Louise and Heron, and see pictures of cookies that I've made. <laughs> That's my brand. Or now, you can come be my friend on Mastodon, Louisa at, at Louisa at Mastodon <laughs> dot XYZ. And, uh, I would like to point out that I searched for both of you guys and got no results, so I was like, well, they're not on Mastodon. <laughs> so that's how good the Mastodon searching is. <laughs> You can go to the URL, just whatever your URL is, slash at your username. Yeah, that's Doesn't complicated help. and <laughs> awful. Um, I mean, it'll lead people right to your page, is all. I mean, I didn't tell them how to do that to follow me on Mastodon either, so... Do you guys think we will have forgotten about Mastodon by the next episode? 100% yes. Uh, <laughs> I, f- I signed up for it. A year ago, when it first launched, uh-huh. and it's only coming... It's The fact that it's come back, like Ello hasn't come back, none of these other Twitter replacements come back, the fact that it came back once makes me think that, like, maybe eventually it'll stick. Yeah. The trouble is, you just need everybody you know to go to a thing, and then it becomes the popular thing, but it's yep. waiting for everybody to go there. Yeah, I just... I like that. I like belonging to a thing that will tell people that are the worst to fuck off. And I really hope that that is the case. But once something gets big enough, it's impossible to to tell everyone who's the worst to fuck off. And And what if they tell you to fuck off? You'd be devastated. Yeah, I mean, but understandable. I'm the (laughs) worst. You were posting all those hateful memes. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. That's that's the advantage of the decentralized nature of Mastodon is if you have mastodon.zone you can be like I have decided in the rules that anyone who says a racial slur uh, for a group that they don't belong to is banned forever, and then you can ban those people forever if they get reported for doing that. Yeah, but then they just go to mastodon.pizza and do the same thing, and then it's like, (laughs) fuck, this is still terrible. (laughs) That's what I was afraid of when I joined, because it was like, yeah, choose a thing to be on. I'm like, I guess this one? It seems generic. But I'm like, what if I find out that this one is the one for racist child abusers? Like, how would I know? There's is, no way to know. Is there a there Mastodon must be some... dot racist? <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that dot racist is not a top-level domain. Yeah, although it would sure make it a lot easier to identify the racists online. <laughs> yes, that's true. Like when they all move from Patreon to that one Patreon that doesn't ban you for being a racist. <laughs> yep. I think it's called, I think it's actually called Hatreon. Oh, that's pretty good. God. God damn, that's, that's such a good that's joke. That's the cleverest though. thing they've yeah, ever done. It really is. <laughs> well, it's the cleverest thing that's been done until we start Rastodon. Yeah, Rastodon so, is yes, also that, Then that will be the Which, most clever and thing. And also, kind of racist, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, we shouldn't have put a Rasta hat on that uh, Mastodon. That was a bad <laughs> nope. move. 
Why did we do that? Why really, did we make our logo like that? <laughs> we won it at the carnival. We couldn't help it. We had to put it somewhere. <sighs> All right. Uh, so thanks to the folks who've been talking about us on Twitter. Uh, thanks to Tanner, as always. Uh, thanks Tanner. to Thomas Sobiak. Thank you, Thanks Thomas. to Thank you. Nicholas Vigil for, I think, burning Jeff. Thank you, Nicholas. Uh, which is pretty good. Oh, I didn't see, but screw you, buddy. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He's, he, I don't know. He's quoting you, Jeff, and then has a tongue out emoticon. So I guess that that's what that means. Anyway. Um, so thanks for talking about us on Twitter. We appreciate it. Keep spreading the word. And in the meantime, until next time, please remember to keep your pockets on Shrek. Uh, the toots can also be called newts or a woos <laughs> on Mastodon. Uh, don't read the comments. <laughs> don't read the toots. <laughs> <laughs> don't toot the comments. Actually, do read my toots, though. They are going to be very good. <laughs> You're planning on them being very good. <laughs> yep, I'm going to be the first Mastodon celebrity. <laughs> there must have been some magic in that old silk hat they found. Oh, when they placed it on his head, he began to dance around. Frosty the snowman was alive as he could be. And the children say he could laugh and play just the same as you and me. Honest, I almost missed the mouse button clicking record. I'm like, oh no, it's, it's one, like, and my finger's not on the button. It's like that great Futurama joke where they have the launch button and he, he's supposed to press it and he misses. Yeah. Oh man, how did that show have so many good jokes for uh, five years, and then no good jokes for the rest of it? <laughs> yes.